So I'm so excited to my next guest. He's actually my speaking coach, guys. Okay, so you know he's amazing. Um, he's somebody that I really admire and look up to. I feel like he's traveled the most and grew up in four continents. Um, he's the author of a book that I love. Um, his like his theme is so amazing. Uh, I wish I came up with it so I can steal it, but it's use your <laughs> to make a difference. Seriously, it's so good. And he's been on basically a thousand TEDx talks. I mean, four, um, but probably more than you did, uh, guys. Okay, <laughs> he's uh, really charismatic, very dad, handsome. Uh, are you single? Uh no, nah, not anymore. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know what's hilarious? Because uh, um. I had, a, I had a male guest on here and he was single and I jokingly said like, okay, shout out if you're interested. And, uh, more people commented on his post than they cared about me. Oh my goodness. Yeah, Come on, people. I'm, serious. <laughs> I'm serious. So, um, so welcome because he's amazing. He's the expert on diversity training. If you're a corporation listening to this, definitely hire this guy. He's amazing. Hi, welcome Tayo. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm just rounding off the book tour for the year. And I just did my first MC, uh, first event that I was the MC of. And it was really, really nerve wracking because you, you know that I speak often, but emceeing an event that takes a lot of research, especially if it's an industry you're not familiar with. You have to know everyone. You have to know all their bios. And it was fun. It was fun. I like to challenge myself. So I'm just excited to be unwinding and just catching up on my reading because um, I love reading and, and I'm a nerd. <laughs> yeah, you're amazing. Like you, you also run a really cool podcast. I was on and I thank you so much for that. And yes. yeah, book, yeah. Can you tell us more about the book tour? So uh, the book tour or the book itself? Just everything. Because I feel like I'm about to ask dumb questions and I would rather you like explain who you are and how amazing you are before I hit you with a dumb question. <laughs> well, you're, you're far too kind. So just for context, uh, you know, Lee said it a little bit. So I'm a Nigerian and I grew up in five countries and four continents by the time I was 17. And that's because of my dad's job as a diplomat. You know, you just move where your dad is posted. But in addition to that, I also grew up uh, in two military dictatorships. That was the first nine years of my life. And a lot of what I talk about stems from my personal pain initially as a kid, as someone who had an identity crisis, I never quite felt home in anywhere. You know, I wasn't quite black enough or Nigerian enough or man enough for certain cultures. And I was always living at that intersection of, you know, what, what is it? What is this? What is that? And eventually, as I grew older, I started to shed the inferiority complex that I had. And I really got frustrated with having to wear different masks. And I decided that I'll just be everything at once. And it, I should be fine with that. And I started doing research in different cultures on what makes it safe for people to be themselves. And that's where the mission statement, use your difference to make a difference came out of. So the book is an extension of that. And I, I cover a lot of, I cover three main industries, media, workplaces, and education. I think the, we spend most of our lives either in school or at work in some capacity. And a lot of what we see in media influences us. So I really wanted to give people a guidebook to understand how to use their, their uniqueness to make a difference, but also to write it to allies who are trying to find a way to create spaces for marginalized communities. So I, I wrote the book with that as a conversation to both parties. And it came out September 4th. I started writing it in January. Uh, came out on Beyonce's birthday. And, <laughs> yeah, September 4th. And the last stop of the year was on Jay-Z's birthday, which, which was implied. It was December, I think it was December 4th as well. But uh, 
that 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 was the uh, that was the day. I mean, and and I've been going around the United States. It's been interesting finding new cities through the book tour. That's what happens. You go into the the you know. I found that there was a place called Lock Haven in Pennsylvania, which is which is fun, which is fun. Um, and I've gone to bookstores, I've gone to companies, and I've gone to schools. So that's the experience so far. I love it. And then you also are a speaker. And yes. you helped me so much. You got me featured on Inc. Magazine. Guys, really hire hire him because you'll do amazing things for your brand. So thank like, you. Yeah. <laughs> so like, what do you feel like? Because okay, maybe expand this. Because you've done TEDx talks. You've talked for companies. You've talked for like schools. Like, what do you feel like is the biggest difference between them? And like, what's your experience been so far? So TEDx is like a commercial. Uh, your your trailer but you have to make this trailer really, really amazing. And then the, your keynote is the, the, where you, you get people there. And it, it can't, for TEDx, you can't just do a, tr- a trailer that is lackluster. You have to give enough information where it gets people curious enough uh, to, to want to follow up, follow up with you or you know, to, to a point where they feel like they want to learn more. Because TEDx allows you to talk, I think, between three minutes to maybe 18 minutes. And if you're a talker or you're a speaker, you know that that can be a lot. <laughs> and so, one of the things I love about TEDx is that it really forces you to get to the meat of your idea. You know, the talk that I, I, I get quoted on the most is the art of diplomacy. And ironically, that talk is the one where I was almost, uh, I freaked out the most about because I didn't have my topic until the week of that, day, of the, of that uh, event. And that's because they didn't like the topic I proposed before. And so one of my friends suggested, hey, why don't you talk about your experience as a diplomat? And I was like, as a diplomatic kid, and I was like, ah, I don't know if that's interesting. She's like, no, just talk about it. And so I spent a day and a half going back <laughs> in time and thinking about things I learned from my dad and then writing that experience as if it was me teaching people how to apply that concept to their daily lives. And that was, I think, 15 minutes. And that turned out to be the, the talk that gets me hired the most because that's what TEDx is about. It's about focusing on this big idea and teaching people how to apply that to their lives. Now, other talks, you can then expand into the bigger concepts and dive into more things. You know, other talks tend to be 45 minutes or an hour. Then you can even get more interaction from the audience and you can widen the focus a little bit. So um, yeah, think about TEDx as really, really focused and it can be frustrating if you're a talker and think about the, uh, the keynotes as an opportunity to show your expertise, but also get people to want to get you to maybe consult things like that. So different lenses. Mm-hmm. I love that. And uh, okay, now the stupid questions. Okay. Yes. So <laughs> is this like the diversity episode day, like from the office? Like what does diversity training even mean? <laughs> yeah. So I, I watched that episode <laughs> because uh, you, I saw that you, you had said that. And, and I prior to that, I'd watched the office, you know, a few times, not in order though. And it was hilarious. That is the exact wrong way to do a diversity training. And for those, yeah, for those that don't understand, Michael Scott, the, 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 uh, the uh, protagonist of the show was, you know, he was doing a, basically, a, was, was it a Chris Rock skit? And he basically said everything he shouldn't say. And then that prompted people to report to HR. And HR said, we need to bring a diversity consultant in here so that we can teach you how to be more sensitive to our cultures. And you know, he just was running over the meeting. He felt like he, he was saying things like, I don't see color. I don't see your race. Uh, he had people put sticked notes of different races except white. And he, he had people say, hey, 
act like the the race so the other person can guess your race. That is not a diversity date. What a diversity. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, a diversity, I think people misunderstand diversity. To me, true diversity is connecting the visible to the invisible. I, if you understand hmm. what, what makes up a person is, we all have multiple identities. We're mm-hmm. not just black or white or Asian or male or female or gender non-binary. We are multiple things, you know, our orientation, our, you know, interest, our, you know, backgrounds, all these things play a role into who we are. And now if you're in the workplace and you have systems that make it safer for maybe people that are of a native country as opposed to international um, country, then it becomes a problem. I'll give you an example. I've always been an international student, for example. And when I first graduated from college, I had over 85 job rejections. Sometimes people would look at my name, um, mm-hmm. Tayo, short for Akintayo, and they would think, uh, this person can't speak English. But mm-hmm. Me too, yeah, my name yeah. is Leland. And I kind of wonder, like, was I rejected because of I needed H-1B? Yeah. Or, I mean, it's always, thank you for bringing that up. I appreciate that. And what are your thoughts on it? No, and I, and I think that that's, a, that's another reason why diversity is, is, is necessary. People need to understand where, they understand that you know English isn't just spoken in America, <laughs> and also even if it, if it isn't, you should probably you see better English. Actually. Yeah, exactly. Some people speak better. That's the thing, and people need to actually see the people before they make decisions. And so, it's diversity training helps you work through your biases. One, your unconscious biases. These things are formed at the at as early as the age of three, and they also inform how you see the world. And they also help you to see problematic things. You know, whether we've seen a lot of things ranging from sexual harassment to bad language to you know things in the in the job description where it says ivy league applicants only or college degree only all these things that are not necessarily important for all the jobs that you apply for but they eliminate all sorts of people even with your marketing do you only market to certain schools or do you expand to different areas so all these things are things that i work with companies on and so i it's not about tokenism it's not about oh i have a black person i have a white person i have this it's about hey you got all these people here now how can you ensure that you you make them feel safe even like now you know i even though i'm a christian i'm very liberal right so most of the holidays in america i've noticed are very judeo christiany type right you don't see a lot of other you know religions that are given uh you know privilege like oh christmas all this all this they all centered around all these majority type religions and i always wonder what if the person isn't jewish or christian or something do you you what if the person is muslim what if the person practice another religion are you are you factoring the same uh time off for them as you are for other people all these things are things to consider but we don't do that oh able-bodied people a lot of people think they forget about that, that being able-bodied is privilege. And so how right. can you, how can you, you know, does your office um, suitable for people of, of different abilities? Do you, you know, if you're in marketing, do you market to different sectors of the population? Do you try to be sensitive, culturally sensitive? Do you put subtitles when you, you're talking to people that, that are di- different? So it's, it's so much <laughs> more than what was in the episode, but people don't think about these things until it affects them. And then that's, I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's why, that's why I'm usually working with companies. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, I mean, racism is over in 2019, right? What? Where did you hear that? <laughs> no, I mean, I was scared to ask you this, but like, I, I actually do want to hear like what your viewpoints are because it's like I don't think the office episode could have can't come in today. You know what I mean? I think that right. episode was shot, what like in two thousand five. 
six? Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> early 2000s. Right. Um, and it's still funny, but I feel like it would be impossible to put out now, right? So it's like, because I'm a Chinese woman, like I experience the world differently than you. So like, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I, I don't think racism is over. I think a lot of racism might not be as overt. I think it's more covert, right? It's more hidden or it's more in the you know, I hear these dumb comments. I'll give you a funny, it's not funny to me, but I, 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 it's, you know, sometimes it's, I have to laugh at it because I was so mad when it happened. So a couple of years ago, it was actually an, an, an Indian uh, that said this to me, but we were, I was going to dinner to meet a friend. We're sending her off to, to California or somewhere. I think it was San Francisco. She was getting married as well. And this Indian guy comes up to me who was part of the party there and says, Hey, Yo, this guy, this guy is, is, is a, he must, he's a study. He must be getting all these opportunities because of his dick size, right? He's black. Look at him. And I was like, huh? Yeah. I, I, I thought I was, thought, I was like, this guy's joking, right? He yeah. kept saying it in front of everybody. He was like, come on, tell me, how do you do it? Do you just, do you just bone them in the back? I'm like, what the? Oh my God. Those type of things. Those, they're called microaggressions where, you know, you're saying all these uh, comments about that. I get those comments all the time. And people don't understand how, uh, annoying and also limiting that can be. If you're if someone who's a boss and you're telling that to someone who's a subordinate, mm -hmm. sometimes the subordinate is going to feel like, okay, they can't say anything because they don't want to get fired. Right. And that is that person is suppressing that behavior and they're they're dealing with, oh, should I be, should I react? If I react, I'll be seen as too extra. Then I'll perpetuate a stereotype, and then all those things happen. And then you think about, you know, um, you know, the fact that Native Americans are consistently ignored or you think about the curriculum here where most of the curriculum in america doesn't teach native american history even though they were the first settlers here okay. which is very interesting if you think about it or a lot of black history starts from slavery and uh, or enslavement when you think about me i'm not african-american but i'm an african in america and i learned about history in a different way and so when i first came here i was like whoa wait whoa i mean you know there are there are black people before <laughs> before he enslavement, right? They're like, uh, like, oh yeah, yeah. We just don't teach that in school. So all these things, even though people, uh, it's not overt. I think these things affect how people see others, and you start to think of people as more inferior or, or you know, uh, superior. There's a movie called Gods of Egypt that came out a few years ago. The mm -hmm. cast was mostly, I think, all of them, or at least ninety percent of them, were European. When you start teaching kids that Egyptians are European looking, you're going to train them to think that everything good is white. <laughs> this is so interesting. Like, I mean, not, you know what I mean? Cause it's like, I come from a Chinese background and I feel like when you have a monolithic. Uh, yeah, monolithic, yeah. When you come to America, there's a lot of things you have to unlearn. And it's not even like they, they're trying to be mean spirited. Right. It's the education. So I'm glad that you talked about it. Yeah, it's the bias. Yeah. And it's the thing. It's mean, but that's just what they were raised with. And like, exactly. So and that happens in every culture, by the way. You know, even I'm, I don't know if it's in a Chinese, but in Nigerian or in Nigerian culture, we have a lot of tribes, right? Ethnic groups. We have over 250 ethnic groups. And we have a lot of tribalism back home where, you know, some people will make a decision based on the tribe <laughs> you have or, or religion or any of that. And it's, it can get really deep. And, you know, a lot of it is rooted in colonialism and all the things that happen. But there are people that really make decisions about you before they know you based on where you're from, who you are, what your last name is and all that. So it happens everywhere. So my job is just to sort of just remind people that, hey, you know, we all have these things. And yes, 
it's good that we were able to have biases. That's how we know that you're not supposed to step in front of a saber-toothed tiger back in the day. But let's also be careful when we use it to other people, you know? So that's, that's just what I try to do. Mm -hmm. yeah. So this is incredible. Thank you so much. And like, um, like, do you remember your first corporate speaking opportunity? Like, what was that like? <laughs> well, so I, the first one really was, it was one with the World Bank. And it's a funny story. I had just moved to New York City. I think I was about a year in and I was getting my MBA. It was, it was after this near-death experience. And I was like, I'm going to change my life and stop doing things for other people. And so I just started talking about third culture kids, TCKs. For those listening, TCK, third culture kids refers to anyone who spent the formative periods of their lives outside of the parents' cultures. So you see this typically with army brats, missionary kids, diplomatic kids, anyone that just sort of identifies with several cultures and never quite, you know, fully anything. And so I just come across the term maybe a year ago and I said, I want to talk to those people. Those are my people. Uh, we don't talk about them a lot. At least that was the state of mind I was in. And I started talking about how, you know, we often talk about the negative aspects, but what if we used our global identity to bridge the world? And I would bring other guests who grew up in a similar way to jump on the podcast to talk about their experience and how they turned the negative to positive. And one random day, someone from the World Bank sent me an email and saying, hey, we, we listened to a few of your episodes. Uh, we are at the World Bank. We have a few diplomatic kids here. Do you think you could come down? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Yeah, they're like, we don't pay, but I was like, you won't pay much or anything. But I was like, I, I'll, the world back, I'll figure Maybe, it out. You didn't pay like, think about it. Let me check. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I did, I hadn't considered myself a speaker up until that point. I just, oh, I yeah. And so I was, I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Yes. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> and, and so I just started really just coming up with a presentation and I did it. And to my surprise at the point, at that time, they said, oh, I really like it. And then that really opened my eyes. And that was when I started being more intentional. So a lot of my opportunities initially were me scouting out opportunities and looking for people that worked with uh, HR or talent or anything like that and saying, hey, I've spoken at the World Bank. I have a podcast that talks about this and I have a personal story. Uh, here's a testimonial. Could I come and do the same for you? That's how I started. And then it, after that, I would start to get more videos and then you start to add that to your pitches and then, then you, you build a website and then it really shows you, you in action and shows confirmation from other people and then it became um, the speaking career. I love that. So um, what kind of clients do you work with besides, um, and I don't even know if it's a good thing, like, I don't even know if people like, you know, like, like me or not, but I think you did a great job for me. But like, can you explain to us like what other clients you work with and like, what were some of their results? Sure. So I, I work with uh, personal and corporate clients on the corporate side. I work with a lot of fast growing startups, multinationals, schools. Uh, and it's what I said earlier, basically getting them to create inclusive environments for people to feel safe enough to be themselves. And if someone is of a different orientation, they feel safe enough to apply and be who they are and the full and will live the full spectrum of humanity. Uh, as an, as a result of how my career started off, which was, uh, you know, through a lot of my writing and podcasting and speaking and people will start to say, Hey, I don't want to be in the diversity and inclusion industry, but I like how you built a career based on that. Can you teach me personal brand and strategies? And so I work with, uh, personal uh, people that are interested in changing the world, change makers, you call them. And, and they're trying to find or hone in their specific voice. And so 
Um, I've helped people get to TEDx, I've helped uh, people get to publications. And, and on the personal side, it's really just, I think my expertise is really just helping people understand their story and translating that to a big idea. That's in essence what I, I, I do. I think everybody can speak if they really want to speak, but some people don't know how to organize that story into a format that it's made um, understandable and digestible for people. So that's essentially what I do on the personal side. But a lot of the job is definitely on the corporate side. That's what keeps me traveling. It's, you know, uh, it's, the, it's, the, it's with the um, schools and workplaces. Well, yeah. Love that. So, um, like, uh, who do you enjoy? Who do you enjoy working with and who shouldn't work with you? I enjoy working with change makers. Um, so that's I, people that are interested in leaving a lasting impact in the world, right? And that sounds idealistic, but that's just that's just what I'm I'm about. I'm tr- about trying to further positive dialogue. And I always say I want to impact the lives of three billion people. They're about a little over three billion people under thirty. And so I I think these are the next set of global leaders. And so if I'm able to work with people and help them tell the story in such a way where it impacts other people, that's what I want to do. Uh, and so, yeah. So if you're someone that just wants to get TEDx just to get TEDx, you know, it won't be probably a good fit. I'm interested in people who are more heart-centered in terms of that. Yeah. Love that. Okay. So let's switch, switch gears of like humor and uh, funniness. <laughs> so like... Who do you find funny besides you and me? If that's uh, I mean, Lee is the funniest person, of course. <laughs> All right, right, so let's do number three. Yeah, who's number three? Uh, okay, so this is one of my favorite questions. I love stand-up comedy. I, in fact, one of the things I, I, I do before I teach public speaking is I study stand-up uh, so much because I think they're some of the best storytellers and best speakers, and people just underestimate them. Uh, and my favorites are... Trevor Noah and Hassan Minaj, right? I've seen Hassan, I've seen both of them live. I've seen Trevor twice live. Uh, I've seen Hassan um, live as well. And the reason why I like a lot of their humor, particularly Trevor, Trevor is someone that grew up in a, I identify a lot with Trevor's story just because he's, he has this international lens. He's also from the continent of Africa, like I am. And I always think it's, it's interesting how he approaches humor from a global perspective while using his stories. And he's great at impersonations, but he, brings a lot of nuance to very difficult conversations. And that's my favorite type of humor, where I know there's some people that will say, it's, in, it's impossible to be funny now and all that kind of stuff. I'm not, but I'm like, no, you can find nuance and approach it in a way where you have to invite intelligent dialogue. And, and it's, it's interesting for me. And Asan Minaj, Homecoming King is one of my favorite specials. It's on Netflix if you haven't seen it. But he also has the show Patriot Act and it's approaching what we need to learn about the world today through humor. And he does a great job of, to, uh, of finding that balance. And he, he, he always brings up brown humor. You know, he's, you know, he's, he's an immigrant from India and he's Muslim. And he taught, you know, you can tell that he stayed true to, to his, his Indian roots, but he's also educating people at the same time. So I, I like those types uh, of comedy. Now, that just means I'm a nerd, but th- for me, you know. Yeah, yeah, we're all nerds here. And yeah. <laughs> I feel like everyone even cares about this. You yeah. much nerd, so, yeah, I love that. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. My plot is to get Hassan on here, but oh. I already, you know what happened? I, so, right. okay, so I featured the funniest Indian. Oh, no, maybe not funny. 
his name is Rajiv and he's amazing and he got mm. the domain funny Indian right and then he opened up for the prime minister of India and then he got Russell Peters to open for his wedding so wow. I can't really do yeah he's amazing he's he's incredible um but I feel like I need a new song though what do you think I should do you need me. I, I mean, look, I've been trying. I wanted a son write the four. Yeah, him yeah. Or, yeah, Trevor. I wanted them to write the four. I can, Hassan, okay. If if you get Hassan first, you intro me to him. Yes. If I get Hassan first, I intro him to you. Please. Okay. Deal. Because yeah. um, yeah. I, I haven't figured it out. <laughs> I haven't figured it out myself. But All right, well, what about you? What about you? What about you? Well, who are your favorite comedian? Um, I really love Hachisa Neal. I feel like he's just my top favorite just because he's like a philosopher, not even like a comedian. He mm. just doesn't give a shit and by the mm -hmm. way profanity is encouraged on this podcast if you guys are not not sure um okay no go ahead because <laughs> he's this like um okay he talks a lot about relationships and he is a way that he is because when he was 17 he was in jail for a false rape charge and i feel like that really colored his view of the world because it's like um why should everything that a man says be accused of something wrong while a woman everything is good right he's i don't want to live and then it's understandable like that's a horrible experience that he had and then he just doesn't care at all like he's just so no filter like he doesn't give a crap uh he's amazing on opie anthony and it's like even though like physically we're so different he's like an 800 pound black man i'm like a 100 pound asian girl like huh. i feel like the way that we look at the world is very similar i bought his book um that his widow well they're not even married but like his, uh, his uh, significant other wrote, and it was like, how to speak fluent man, right? And like, a lot of the things are very brutal. Like, he's very like, uh, like, you got to put a woman, I don't want to say in her place, but it's just like, he's more realistic about it. I feel like if Chinese people understood English, they would really love him because they're just so, he's so brutally honest. So I really love Patrice O'Neill. Um, Style-wise, uh, Maria Bamford, I saw her perform. She talks about mental illnesses in like a hilarious way. Um, I like Melissa Villasenor for her like impersonations. I love Ali Wong just because like she uh, Ali Wong, yeah. like, you know, uh, Margaret Cho. Uh, I feel like maybe more ethnic comedians. So I, I just interview another comedian and he was telling me all the white dudes. And I was like, oh, I need to study up on this. And it's like, now I'm in the comedy scene. I was just like, oh, wait, I need to... Uh, tailor my comedy so like no matter where i go i get laughs because it's on me right to like tailor it so that people laugh so uh, listeners if you have any other comedians to suggest let me know but like that's my favorite so far so no, yeah. I, love, I, I you know I've, I've heard other comedians say a lot about patrice and so i need to speak yeah, out of stuff. Yeah. Right. in a good way uh so, okay uh okay so man we're going through so much so many good things okay so how do you choose like okay how do you advise a corporation to choose a speaker and how do you as a speaker choose which corporations to work with so i'll tackle the last one the last one first i choose the corporations to work with when i can tell that they are being more proactive as opposed to reactive right i mean there are opportunities where yes i would i would take because it's a good it's good chance to get into the company and there's a good chance to deepen a relationship. But, you know, if I see that it's just a one thin, one size fits all, I'm usually more hesitant. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll give you an example. So Black History Month is coming up in mm -hmm. February. This Around this time of the year, I usually get someone come up to me and say, hey, do you uh, do uh, <laughs> speeches around February? I love that voice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I need to do it, can you? 
do a recording, so like I'll play it when I want to make people feel uncomfortable. I think it'll be very confusing because I'm a Chinese woman. And they're like, what? They're like, what? No, yeah, no. But I, I was just trying to. I don't even know what accent I was trying to do. But that was. The, the, but it's usually when when people are really they haven't done the research. That's the answer to your question. They haven't done the research and they are coming to me because they just want to solve a problem. It's one thing to be reactive. I get it. You get in trouble. You want to make sure you don't get sued. Yes. But if you haven't done the research into who I am, mm -hmm. that's turn off because then I, you, it makes it, it doesn't feel like you understand what it is you want to do. And I, I feel, and I feel like it's the same thing when companies are trying to pick speakers, it's, they really need to take and check the temperature of the people that they serve. And so mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. I, I, I've been doing guest lectures uh, throughout the year. And I remember I walked into my alma mater Fordham and once I walked into the room, there was this. Um, lady who's Jamaican descent, she just did a double take when she saw me. And I didn't, I wasn't sure why she did it. But the, after the talk, she came up to me and said, you know, this is the first time I've seen a speaker that looks like me. And I was like, I have to come here. And it just made yeah, me think, it just made me, yeah, it just made me think about how many people don't even ask the people that, that are in the audience, hey, what type of speaker do you want to come out here? So, so that's, that's when, and that has been happening, by the way, throughout the book tour so many times where I'll be sharing stories and people be like, oh, you're, you're a Nigerian, you're this, you're that. And I think people underestimate the audiences that they serve. So if you're a corporation or you're a school, you're anything, just take the temperature, you know, just don't always go for the most popular awesome. so well, like i'm starting out to inspirations and i while i tailor my comedies so there are more pg-13 <laughs> what would you advise for like just a really new speaker like what kind how do you find the company to go for should, I, should you just take anything and do testimonials like what would you advise as a first step for speakers so for speakers, first time speakers, I always tell them to, you want to get as many reps as you can. So, you know, speak in front of your family, speak in front of your alma mater, look, establish the relationships you already have with people. So you, everyone is, has a, you know, not everyone, but most people went to a school of some sort. So reach out to that, them, your alma mater, your all that and say, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I wanted to know if I could come um, speak, talk about my experience, all that kind of thing, because more likely to, to say yes. You're so but, right yeah. But what if like that's out of, cause okay. Cause my alma mater is like UC Berkeley. Like it's like too far for me. Like if yeah. I moved to a new city, what would you say? Then what, then I, what I would do is I would, first of all, I would find a way to get a video recorded. You don't even have to find uh, people in the audience. What, do you, what it would do is you, if you find a place where you can record, have the camera face you, give the speech and record it. No one's going to know that there's an audience there, one. <laughs> and then that can be one of the things where you can start. Yeah, that's one of the things where you can start to cut clips out and you can start to do that. Another thing is, yes, initially, a lot of times you might get, uh, if you sign up for Eventbrite, right? Eventbrite. Yeah, I love Eventbrite. Uh, yeah, Eventbrite or um, uh, something else is skipping me. There's another one that's like Eventbrite, but I have to look it up. Um, if you find up to sign up to those sites, always volunteer to just speak in, in, in your industry. And the thing is, yes, initially some of them will be free, but what, what I don't, I want you to reframe how you think about free, think about free testimonial, think about free video. Yes. And if you, if you can go to school, if someone says, Hey, we, we like what you did from the clips, maybe the clips you recorded and it made it look like someone that was in the audience mm -hmm. and say, can you come to our school? If they can't really offer you anything, you can, uh, try and say, okay, see if we can get transportation covered. And if you could record it, that would be great. Love awesome. That. 
And if you if they can't record it, it um, is there a way you can get this person in the room so I can get testimony from that person? And then what you want to then do is leverage all these things for the next big opportunity. Because if you're a speaker, you need to have a take, right? So I always tell people, you need to have a take and know what it is you want to talk about. What is your opinion on something? And so if you have an opinion on something, that means it's connected to a big idea. And so what, whatever that big idea is, you need to find the people that are thought leaders or uh, stakeholders in that stake. So for me, the, the thing with identity issues is the way I expanded it from TCK to diversity and inclusion is it's really about getting people to feel like their identity matters. And so I started to think about where identity is placed. It's in our schools, it's in our workplaces. So I said, who are the people in charge of making sure people feel safe enough in themselves? HR. So I went to HR and I started creating a list of people locally who are uh, head of HR, head of people, head of diversity inclusion. And then I said, this is who I am. I've spoken here. This is what this person said. I would love to come. I, do you have any um, outside speaker opportunities? Something, just say that. And then based on that, you, you might get 10% of people to respond to you. And then even if you get 10%, you just need one good, yes. good engagement. And then bam, you get referrals and all that. But it is a long game. Yes. It's something you have to think about the big picture and something you have to be consistent on. But uh, knowing your take, knowing your audience and knowing where they are is, mm -hmm. is a good start. So. I love that. Because like, the one of the favorite things about working with you is like you actually told me like how many times you got rejected as a speaker because oh. i saw yeah seriously all shit you're like at tedx you're at world bank you're at all these like corporations and stuff and i kind of assume and maybe other people assume like it's oh he's tired he's amazing of course like you can get it but it's like you showed me like how many times you got rejected and i was like oh my god oh yeah i have way more respect <laughs> for you because it's like oh you we only see the tip of the iceberg right and it's like same thing with the interviews like there's a lot of people who decline me for interviews but i don't care because the people who i do you know interview like yourself i we have a freaking amazing time at least for me i don't know i thought i'm having an amazing time i'm having an amazing time <laughs> <laughs> i i told people like i'm gonna be like zach galifianakis uh, for yes. firms, yeah. but only for business people. And like, I think some of them were kind of scared. Like, it's proper people. I mean, okay, nothing against proper, but you know what I mean? Like, no, I know what you mean. And that's the thing. They're more authoritative, right? And like, they <laughs> know, like, because they're literally, they're straight up, like, I don't think it's good for my brand. I'm like, I'm fine, right? I'm going to find another person. So, that's the thing. You know, yeah. 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 And I, and I thank you for sharing that with me while we were working together. Okay. My oh my God. So much good stuff. I'm going to replay this and just like, listen to this again just <laughs> well, thank you. yeah but I'll, of course i'm gonna release it everywhere as well um so okay so what advice would you have for um like corporations in terms of diversity training overall that you didn't get a chance to mention previously uh i mean we've i think we've touched on the main thing is really know who you serve so people people forget that it's not just your customers right so if if you are saying you want to build a company for certain customers make sure you're your employees look like your customers, one, but also think about the environment the, that you're serving immediately outside of that. You know, what, what, is, what is that? <laughs> How, what do you want to be remembered for? You know, money is great and it's very important, but if you're going to make the most money, you need to make sure people feel inspired and, and uh, you know, you need to find a way to boost the drive so they come in here and, and tell stories about why your company is good at. And so remember that business is a people business. And if you try to 
you know, alienate people, you're going to just um, ruin the bottom line down the line. And also think about the future generations are, you know, gener generations younger than us are becoming more outspoken and they're way more diverse. They have way more identities. And so if you aren't even open minded, uh, then there isn't a way for you to actually uh, grow because it would, it would work well now. But if you're competing with the YouTube influencers or people who have different celebrities that are not the mainstream people, how are you going to tap into the audience if you don't know how to listen? So mm -hmm. find different ways to get your employees to tell you what they're feeling. Mm -hmm. It will make your employees respect you more, mm -hmm. but it will also give you insight into blind spots or hidden spots rather that you might not be um, 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 privy to. And don't be afraid to fail. That's the most important thing. You might try a diversity strategy and mm -hmm. fail initially, but the best part is the adjustment. Diversity in and of itself is not, going, it's not a one-size-fits-all. What works for this company is not going to work for another company because diversity in your company is definitely going to be different from another, you know, from another company. You know, your company could be mostly men, but that doesn't mean that the, you, you know, there isn't some diversity there in terms of where they come from or their right. ages or different things. So think about that before you start saying, we try this and we're done. <laughs> All right? Understand that diversity is going to mean different voices, which means more conflict. The mm -hmm. thing, though, is don't run away from the conflict, embrace the conflict, and then find ways to move forward from the conflict. I love that. Yeah. So this is probably one of the hands down one of my favorite interviews, just because, like, for my own selfish purposes. Yay! <laughs> you guys, uh, like, understand how lucky you are to even hear his voice. In oh, you're, you're far too kind. <laughs> <laughs> so how can we work with you? Like, how can we stalk you? Like, what projects are you working on next? And are you taking any new clients? Uh, the whole, whole shebang. <laughs> well, uh, I'm at Ty Roxon everywhere. So T-A-Y-O-R-O-C-K-S-O-N. Twitter, Instagram, tyroxon.com. Um, you can find me. And I'm always, yeah, I'm always working on projects. There's the, a few research projects I'm working on. Um, big thing though is a book. So please, if you want to buy the book, it's called use your difference to make a difference. Any and every sale counts. So my publisher tells me, so I, I'm going to continue, continue pushing that use your difference to make a difference. It's sold anywhere books are sold. So, uh, get your copy, get your copy for your friends and your family, and then tell me about it and leave some reviews. <laughs> awesome. I need to buy it. Please. <laughs> So thank you so much again for this amazing uh, you know, interview. I learned so much. Thank you so much. I hope to have you on future shows to come if you yes. will allow me. Yes. Please let me know. Okay. Thank you so much. Pleasure is mine. Thank you for having me.